Hello, and welcome back to How Good Is That? Season 4, To Hell and Back. This is Episode 7, Cult. I'm J-Rod. I'm Jessica. And this season of American Horror Story has a lot of people on both sides of liking it and not liking it. A lot of people, at least like from the people I know and the people that are comments I read online... People were like, oh, it was too political, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, I immediately turned it off after the first episode or the first 10 minutes. Like, you can't just give up that quick. Obviously, they're going somewhere with it. Yeah. And... I wish more people liked it. I mean, this one was the most, like, true-life American horror story. Um, Something I don't think I actually brought up to you before this. This is the first and only season so far to not have any sort of supernatural or, like, weird thing about the season. Hmm. Like, yeah. nothing, no other season gets I was through. trying to, like, see if there was something I could think of from it, but yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. Um, but, uh, like, you're right. It is, it's very, it's a very true horror story. And, I mean, like, people that say it's too political, welcome to America, like. Yeah. But, yeah, like, what you said about how. Like, it's a real horror story in America. And I feel like the people who are saying it's too political, like, it that's nothing new here. I feel like politi- politics have always been a true horror story in America. Absolutely. I mean, it probably is in other places too, but it's one of the biggest, scariest things for people here. So I feel like I really liked how it ran true. And I feel like it's not, people are like, oh, it's so messed up because they're against Trump and blah, blah, blah. But there's characters that are against Hillary and stuff, too, and other people who ran. Like, I don't remember everyone's names. We're lucky I remember the people that did run. But, yeah. like, I just feel like they definitely try to do different, like, perspectives and views and stuff. And actually, I really liked the first, probably, what, 15 minutes of the show? Because it shows different reactions from different people who voted differently. Yeah. And very, like, bizarre reactions, but I feel like they were very real for some people. So, it's it's just, it's so annoying when people are just like, oh, it's too political. Because, I mean, are you just going to always write everything off because it's too something? Like, just get invested. And, like, if you don't like it, do something about it, you know? But complaining about it's not really a good way to start. Yeah, I mean, well, as far as show, that's easy to complain about, just because it's like, oh, I'm here for entertainment, I don't want to be reminded of what's actually happening. Yeah, but look at all the movies that are based on history and stuff. Entertainment has always tied into, like, politics and what's going on. So, yeah. I mean, I don't, that's why, that's why I'm like, it's not new. So that's, I think that's what bothers me the most, is because people just act like it's new. Yeah. I and mean, I feel like... Any show, if they bring up politics or any big table, like, big ticket topic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever I'm trying to say. (laughs) Like, I feel like if they bring it up to someone who is a little open-minded, they might actually learn something that otherwise they wouldn't have learned because usually they're just like, oh, I don't fuck with that, so I'm not going to pay attention. But because it's on a show that they enjoy or a movie that they enjoy, they might actually educate themselves or try to see something from a different perspective. And that's why I love American Horror Story, because it always tries to show all the different viewpoints. That's very true, yeah. Alright, so, uh, kind of an overview of the season. Um, Set in 2017, the fictional town of Brookfield Heights, Michigan, is left divided in the wake of Trump's election as president. 
Local restaurant owner, Allie Mayfair Richards, played by Sarah Paulson, is left utterly distraught along with her wife Ivy, played by Allison Pill. Despite the help of her psychiatrist, Dr. Rudy Vincent, played by Cheyenne Jackson, Allie becomes increasingly unstable in the Wait, following Wait, so his weeks. last name is Vincent? It is in this. I don't know if it was changed for his practice. Cause Why wouldn't he have the same last name? Spoilers. Uh, of course there's spoilers. Uh, yeah, this character is ends up being the brother of Evan Peters' character, Kai. Kai Anderson, not Vincent. But they always call him Vincent as his first name. Yeah, it's weird. I May- feel like that definitely isn't the right description. <laughs> no, it's, that's the character's name everywhere I've looked. That's so weird. So Why would he have a different last name and why would everyone call him that? I mean... That doesn't make any sense. It's a little weird, but... Yeah, like I've, it's always Dr. Rudy Vincent. Um, I mean, I always wondered why they're like Dr. Vincent, but like Winter and Kai call him Vince and Vincent. Remember, they called him Vince and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Okay, whatever. That's really weird. I guess they have, they wouldn't have different parents. That's also established. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like if maybe, maybe that wasn't his dad because he really didn't like the dad. I mean, the guy was an asshole. That's true. Anyhow. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, anyway, despite the help from Dr. Rudy Vincent, Allie becomes increasingly unstable in the following weeks as her long-repressed phobias begin to reemerge, and they begin to affect her relationships with her wife and their son, Oz. Across What's his, what's his whole name? Ozymandias. Yes. Yes. So cool. Uh, across town... A misogynistic alt writer Kai Anderson rejoices as the ele- as, bleh, rejoices at the election results, enticing him to pursue political power by running for city council, led by f- radical feminist Bibi Babette, played by Frances Conroy, and with the help of his reluctant liberal sister Winter, who uh, is played by Billy Lord, yes, who the Mayfair Richards household hire as their nanny. As Allie attempts to readjust to regular life, despite her growing anxiety and paranoia, she becomes terrorized by a group of masked assailants, donned in clown attire, who are only present when she is alone, leaving those around her to wonder if she's truly attacked or if they're merely hallucinations. Allie's new eccentric neighbors Harrison, played by Billy Eichner, and Meadow Wilton, played by Leslie Grossman, move in next door, while news reporter Beverly Hope, played by Adina Porter, descends upon every crime scene to report the murders. Also in the midst of the chaos is Jack Samuels, played by Colton Haynes, a detective who investigates the crimes and is initially doubtful about Allie's claims, and Gary K. Longstreet, played by Chaz Bono, a supermarket owner who has an amputated arm and is a passionate Trump supporter. With Kai's rise to power... Revealing sinister motives, Allie starts to draw connections between her alleged clown attackers and the many strange incidents occurring in Brookfield Heights. She begins to fear that everyone in town is out to get her, amplifying her growing distrust of those around her. So I'm a little mad that that description didn't have anything about the small little feature of Twisty from Freak Show. Which I feel like is kind of a big deal in the show, since she freaks the fuck out at him for having the comic book in, like, the first episode. It's true. So they should um, at least been like, you know, Twisty the Clown. 
Well, in this, well, like, even for a second. It's true. This is just the overview, though. I know, but um, they're messing out having him in there. I'm pretty sure if I go to the episode by episode description. Yeah, I guess, but. does not mention Twisty by name. Oh, what the heck? Disrespect. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ugh. But I was really happy about that. Yeah, so one of the first things that happens in that episode is um, Oz is reading a comic book about Twisty, who is from season four. And about basically how he did murder the the kids, but he ends up fully killing the one girl in the back of the bus. But I like, like how they did like the comic and then the real like as it was happening. Yeah, like it reset the entire um, scene from season four, which was pretty neat. Yeah, it was. I really liked how they did that. So again, I think we should go probably by not necessarily episode by episode, but more. The characters and what they go through. So uh, the two main characters, in my opinion, at least, I think it's pretty clear. No, I definitely Allie, I agree. Yeah, Allie and Kai. Like those two are definitely the ones that butt heads the most, and it's clear that I feel like yeah. they're the most fascinating too. Yeah, because you want to know like what's gonna happen and their backstories and all that. So it makes sense. Yeah, it's. Very crazy. Because. Like the first episode. So because some of the seasons, the first episode's very slow. Yeah. And I feel like this, maybe the first 10 minutes are slow, but not even like, I feel like it's building and you can tell. And I just, they fit so much action in and just, I feel like they start the story so well. Like it builds suspense, but then it goes kind of right into it. And yeah, even down from like how he crushes the Cheetos and puts it on his face. Like that's oh. such a crazy scene. And like. There's that little bit of, like, I mean, in my opinion, comedic relief. Because you're just like, okay, what's going to happen? And then you're like, oh, you know. So that was a little bit funny. And then, like, I feel like even to the scene with her in the grocery store and the clowns. Like, that's such a good, intense scene for a first episode, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that was just, I don't know. A lot of it was very well done in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it was well done in the end, too, but I just feel like... It took off pretty quick, though, so... I feel like I really... I really loved the season, and then the last two episodes, I was just like, oh, this is what we're doing? Yeah. So, it was a little bit of a disappointment for me. I still really like this season, but... Yeah, so we'll kind of dive into, like, Allie's story is, you know, she gets all these phobias, um... She's afraid of clowns. She's afraid of holes. Holes. Like what's that called? Trip something? I forget what they called it, but Yeah. Um specifically like things such as beehives or anything with holes. Yeah, she got literally anything. Like scared about the, like the nooks the and crannies. Yeah, the coral, the nooks and crannies in a muffin. Mm-hmm. All these random little things. It was pretty impressive the way she plays it because oh yeah it's very clear that these things are supposed to be terrifying to only this character so it was it was awesome to watch her just freak out over the littlest things like, this is definitely my favorite sarah paulson character like i can see that yeah i mean she does pretty great in her other roles some better than others but this is really it for me like she her character goes through so many changes this season too and she plays it all so well and she nails everything and like what you said with the phobias and everything like every little thing because some seasons i'm just like wow she just cries the whole time huh but this season like 
she really grows and she fucking kills it. Yeah. So pretty early on, like we mentioned, she starts getting terrorized. Um, in the grocery store, the clowns start going crazy and messing with her. And you have no idea what's going on at first because she just walks in to the grocery store. It's very late at night. There's a one-armed cashier who, like... He's the owner. Yeah, the owner. But he was the cashier, but yeah, he's the owner yeah, of it too. But he was the only one yeah. working in the store that yep. it looked like. He was. Um, she mentions how, like, oh, this, all this stuff with Trump is so crazy, Well, uh, what everyone's saying. And he puts on one of the red Make America Great Again hats, and it's like, yep, can't believe they're just not happy about all the things that are going on. This is going to be great. And she's freaking out. Like, that's not what I meant. Okay, I'm going to go shopping now. Come to find out that the owner of the store, plus all the clowns, are all characters that have to do with her. And she's being targeted to kind of drive her crazy. So, it's... Ivy wants to get full custody of Oz. So she kind of initiates all this stuff going after Allie. You already said it, but spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't watch and you don't want to know anything, definitely wait to listen to this episode. Always. Um, and let's talk about Ivy and Allie's restaurant for one second, because it's called The Butchery on Main. And it just makes me feel like that was a little tiny nod to the butcher in the previous season, Roanoke. Like, it might not be, but I always think that. And they show it so much. Like, it's such a pretty sign or whatever that they've made. Yeah. But they show it quite a few times in this, throughout the season. And I feel like that's not something they usually do. So I feel like it was just like a little nod. I don't know, in my opinion, to the butcher. Just to be like, call back, season six. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, So Ali's freaking out. The whole time about, like, these clowns are after her. Uh, they keep chasing after her. And they... The clowns end up appearing across the street from her house. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and they ride around in this, like, creepy ice cream truck. And yep. the whole aesthetic to it is just so well done. And they end up murdering uh, their neighbor, who is also the councilman for their area. And then they assume it was a, a murder-suicide, but... Um, Winter, who's the babysitter, and Oz are actually, like, able to see that people did go into the house and something happened. So, but Oz actually sees it the, as the clowns, and he starts kind of going crazy, too. Yeah, that's, whew, that scene is definitely intense. You yeah. feel bad for him, for yeah, sure. They, they start really terrorizing him That's some good too. gore, though. They did pretty good with that. It's true. Allie isn't then introduced to a little bit later the when the new neighbors move in um she's introduced to harrison and meadow great name (laughs) and great actor and actress playing them it was very cool i'm so excited that this was their first season and they they're just uh i love billy eichner i love leslie grossman i love billy lord it's the season of the billies i'm so happy until next season when there's more billies yes but ah, we'll get on that. Billy next. Porter. But the casting was really good for this season. And I feel like a lot of people were worried because Lady Gaga wasn't going to be in it. And Kathy Bates, Jessica Lange, obviously. Um, and this is the first season without Lily Rabe. Or uh, only season. And Angela Bassett wasn't in it. 
Um, so there was a lot of regular people that people really love that were in it, but I'll always watch the show. So, and I'm glad I did because I really did like it and I love the casting and I feel like everyone, I mean, I would love to have seen Franny Francis Conroy in a different role because yeah. this is the only role she's ever played in like anything that has annoyed me. Like, I don't like the character she plays. I want to because it's her, but I just don't like and when she gets what's coming to her later, it's so satisfying. And I'm just like, I don't want to see that. But yeah, like it was just such an annoying character. It's I true. get why they did it. But yeah, this definitely did feel like a changing of the guard season where oh, yeah. so many new actors and actresses came into the fold. So um, anyway, yeah, Harrison happens to be a beekeeper. So when they introduced their character or that character, Allie's freaking out about all the holes in the hives, so they have a really weird stepping off point. So later on, Allie has to go to the butchery on Main because the alarm went off, and she discovers that uh, her sous chef, Roger, has been hung up on a meat hook and is dying, and unfortunately she can't help him in time, so she kind of watches him die. And... Earlier on in the episode, he is fighting with another employee, Pedro, who is immediately thought of as the main suspect, but, um... I feel so bad for Pedro. Yeah, so it's partly because they had the argument, but also when the police go investigate it, he says how they ask for, like, proof of, like, citizenship, and he's like, I was born in San Diego, and he has to go through all this stuff. And I feel like it's really important that these things, even if it's subtle, I feel like it's very important to show these things because this is something that's still happening to people. Yep. People, like, they don't hear about it anymore, so they think it's over with. And I mean, obviously, this is a couple years ago now, but it's still happening. And, like, I just feel like it really kind of brings awareness. And, like, even though people are like, oh, this is political, like, it's important. So I'm really happy that they we, they did it. Yeah. It sucks for the character and it sucks for the real people that go through this. Allie's kind of freaking out because the clowns and then the murder at her and her wife's restaurant. So she gets a gun from the Weltons, Harrison and Meadow. And during a power outage, uh, Ivy sends Pedro over to check on her. And uh, Allie's kind of freaking out and a bunch of other stuff. She thinks the clowns are in the house because they are. Because uh, these aren't hallucinations. As we mentioned before, this is all actual stuff that's happening. There's no mysticism or anything like that. Pedro shows up to the back door as Ivy, or as Allie and Oz are about to run out the door. So she shoots him. Like a fucking idiot. Yep. Her character went from being terrorized to accidentally mur- murdering somebody. Yeah, and I mean, in that way, she's being terrorized too. After that, uh, Allie tries to go back to work, and there are protesters outside. Allie's kind of stuck, like, I can't go to work because everyone thinks I'm a murderer. And I am. This is my fault. I did this. Even though we find out later that Kai was the one who paid the protesters to be there. Yep. But then to get Allie to like him, uh, he says that he gets rid of, he's going to get rid of them for her, and then he does. Yeah. So, the Wiltons... Uh, they're also a part of this, obviously. Um, they start berating and like terrorizing Allie because of what she did. She's like, you know, they start 
wearing sombreros and just saying, oh, this is how you see all people of Latin descent, isn't it? And they immediately, like, just give her all this shit. And on the other side of that coin, they give Oz a pet guinea pig to kind of make up for how they treated her. Poor guinea pig. Yes. um, (laughs) That poor guinea pig, because the next day, they, Allie, Ivy, and Oz are all out. They come home, and the microwave is running. And conveniently or not conveniently, I mean, we know how the timing was so well set up because everyone's in on it except for Allie, obviously, and Oz. Uh, as soon as the microwave stops running, the guinea pig explodes. Well, It's just so weird that they knew exactly how long to microwave a guinea pig to kill it. Because at one second, oh my it, God. <laughs> yeah, it was still like... squeaking. At That's... zero seconds, it exploded. And, like, how, like, they obviously, somebody had to be there at that exact time they were coming in to do it. Like, it's all very. Yeah, they, they mentioned, they mentioned how, uh, Ivy, Ivy texted one of the other cult oh, members. I must have missed that. Uh, possibly Meadow. Though you did pick up on a couple editing errors this season, so I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, no one's perfect. When dead pot, when dead bodies move their arms like they're the little teapot on the floor. <laughs> I have to notice these things. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Like, I'm the production supervisor of Superliminal Films sometimes, so I have to make sure I'm paying attention. That's true. I need to vent a little bit real quick about the... If you have sensitive ears and sensitive hearing, this season, like, is gonna be a little extra intense because they love to use these worrying alarm irritating high-pitched like trying to kill me noises and i feel like it's in almost every single episode and i understand the use of that sometimes especially like if you're trying to portray someone with anxiety because that's the kind of things that we go through however if somebody with anxiety is watching it you're kind of setting that trigger through them to have like you know an episode because i don't know like it it's so cringy and it's so loud and I have to cover my ears and I just feel like it happens so randomly and it's very shrill. And often, yeah. Yeah, like it was almost, I feel like if not every episode, every other episode it felt like it had like alarms or some type of high pitched. Yeah, it made horrifying Like noise. I don't, I didn't have too much of a problem with it, but it occasionally it did make it feel like I had a tinnitus in the ear where just like there's this constant buzzing. Yeah. And I just can't get rid of it. It's horrible. It was not great. And then I also wanted to say, not really vent or rant, but I really think that besides the fact that you looked it up earlier, the, um, when it, the remake of it came out, yeah, we wanted to know if it was around the same time and Jared looked it up and they premiered the same day, like episode one and then like the movie. Yeah. The movie premiered at the Chinese theater in Hollywood on Tuesday, September 5th. Which also happened to be the day that this show, or this season, premiered. So that was really cool when we looked it up. Fun fact about that, this is the only season of American Horror Story to be on Tuesday nights. Yeah, it's usually Wednesdays. Every other one is Wednesday. Yeah. I think they did that partly because that's when elections are, as well. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's clever. So I like that. Yeah, kind of a neat little nod to how everyone's world changed on a Tuesday. Yeah. And like, obviously besides the it thing, like the, um, 
the clown sighting incident in 2016 where like everyone was seeing super creepy clowns after they heard about the remake of it. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if that was like what sparked that actually. I thought it was that people were like, oh, they're remaking it. Let's be crazy and be creepy and scare people. But I actually never looked it up like the source. But I want to say that Ryan Murphy saw that in the news and was just like, oh, we're using clowns. I mean. If he wasn't already because of other things. Because then I feel like I also get Purge vibes. Yes, From this season. So I feel like I don't know if they are, but they seem to be like odes to Purge and it and maybe things that are actually, well, obviously happening in the news this season. So the clown sighting incident could have actually, you know, definitely been inspiration. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that he would kind of use that. And he does mention, like, mention through storytelling, like, how he already did have one killer clown in Twisty. Yeah. But this is kind of just taking it to that next level, which is very cool to watch. And again, we already talked about this during Freak Show. I'm not really big on clowns. Um, It's more like going to a circus and if I see a clown, they're, they're the clowns that creep me out. Obviously, creepy clowns are creepy, but there was something about the clowns this season that I really loved. Instead of being, like, scared about them, I actually really liked them. I mean, if they were in my house at night, I would not like them, (laughs) but no one good ideas. Um, But no, like, I definitely really liked the masks and just the detail was so superb this season with that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. They had the character of Meadow drawing a lot of these masks but they never actually go into detail of how they get them made i want to know so bad because <laughs> like if you put in an order like oh i'd like to order one of these masks please and then those masks appear on the news that might be a problem it's the same idea of like every superhero movie especially on like in my head especially spider-man where he gets these fancy suits you have to order them the only the only superhero that has ever solved that issue was Batman from Christopher Nolan's Batman when uh, in Batman Begins. They're just like, all right, we should order like 500 of these masks so that way it doesn't look like you're ordering one of these masks. Yeah. Every every other yeah, superhero pretty... is like, I'm going to order one of these superhero suits. It's definitely something that they need to kind of go in on, but... Yeah, so it's always struck me as odd because it's something that they could write off. It's like, oh, they, we have an effects artist as part of our murdering crew and they know how to do that. And then it's like, oh. I mean, you never know because it's true. Kai's so charismatic that like he, and he's clever. So he could have had, you know, a little bit of everything in his group and he could have done that on purpose. It's you know, they true. definitely didn't reveal it, but yeah, it's just, it would have been nice, but yeah, it's just one of those I still things like I the always idea think it, about. Yeah. So then, after all that stuff, they kind of go into the backstory of, like, election night. And something, one of the things that triggered uh, Ivy's frustration and fury with Allie was that Allie, instead of voting for Hillary Clinton, voted for Jill Stein, who was one of the third-party candidates. And in this district that, it's a made-up town, but they still talk about the districts pretty clearly um hillary lost by ten thousand votes and jill stein received forty thousand votes so had people not voted for jill stein and voted for hillary instead 
she would have won that district. And then compounding that across the country, people feel like, at least in this show, people feel like Jill Stein cost Hillary the election. So Ivy gets all butthurt towards yep. Allie for it. And this is what it gets me, because a couple times throughout the season, Ivy's like, I'll do anything to protect my son and make sure he's mine, blah, blah, blah. But you're literally putting him through trauma the whole fucking season just to get back at your wife over something. I mean, it's a big deal in her mind, but... And like, it was one of I want to protect my son. Things. I want to protect my son. Scares the fuck out of everyone in the house. Like, you don't even care about your son then if you're going to cause him trauma. Because it's not like he's two and he's going to forget. He's of age to remember. Yeah. So it's just like, you stupid bitch. <laughs> like, it's what the true. hell? She's a shitty parent. Oh, yeah. Um. So I'm going to jump a little bit more forward just in Allie's storyline. Um, and then I'm going to go back and kind of cover where Kai comes into her story more than anything. Um, so Allie is just doing her best to kind of fortify her house and she's like made it into just this giant cage. Um, that was basically the first episode. Uh, a little while later, she sees Harrison at... Uh, his and Meadow's house. Um, Meadow had gone missing and everyone blamed Allie, but then there was no evidence of it, so there was no actual like charges or anything. Allie goes over to the house, to the Wilton's house, sneaks into the backyard, and sees that they have just thrown Meadow's body into a hole. Meadow then wakes up. And Good timing. Says, Help me. So, she kind of freaks out. Allie runs away. As Allie does. As Allie always will. Meadow... Well, not towards the end of the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, after she gets over things, she's better. Um, Meadow, I guess, is somehow good enough to get out of the hole. Goes back to uh, Allie's house and just like, help. Everyone's in a cult. You need to save me. Uh, your wife is in it. Your babysitter's in it. Everyone's in it. And then she gets re-kidnapped. Allie then goes and rescues her. And tries to convince Dr. Vincent of everything going on. Allie goes away for a little bit to try to get more information from another person involved. Uh, it was somebody that was going to run against Kai in the election. But she ends up getting killed. So then she goes back to... Dr. Vincent's to collect Meadow, and Meadow has left. It's revealed that um, Meadow was actually knowing what she was doing, getting Allie involved in this a little bit, as well as kind of purposely making it seem like she was on the outs with everybody. And what she was going to do is she's going to sacrifice herself by attempting to at least make it look like she's trying to assassinate Kai during a rally when he's she's only going to kind of maim him and she's going to just take her own life so she can't be questioned. And he definitely convinces her to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much back and forth with the flashbacks this season. I feel like, I mean, I don't think it was too hard to keep up with, but it's definitely a lot because it's just like, okay, it's present day. Okay, it's 2016. Oh, it's 2015. 
oh, it's 2018. Like, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, they do a bit of jumping back and um, forth, so. But I like how they did it almost because I like the way you see what's happening present day and then maybe like two episodes later, they'll go back a little bit and they'll show you why that happened or whatever. So I really kind of liked how they did that. It's not for everyone. Some people don't really like the back and forth like that. Yeah. But I really liked how they did it. Yep. And I feel like it told the story in a better way and it left it suspenseful. Yeah. And um, so when Meadow does do the assassination attempt and the whole mass shooting, Allie tries to stop her, but is kind of too late. So she only is able to hold the gun while Meadow is shooting herself and then she's stuck holding the gun. Uh, it's revealed pretty quickly in the next episode that, you know, they know she didn't do it. She was just there and she seemed to be a part of it. So one thing about that episode is that I think it was the Las Vegas shootings that had happened a couple days before that episode aired. Yeah. And on the original airing, they had a warning about uh, the, the episode started with the shooting and that it wouldn't be shown in full because um, I think it's about a two and a half minute sequence. And they cut it down to about a minute for the airing of the episode. But on Netflix and FX Now, which is their streaming app, uh, the full scene is available to watch. I thought that was thoughtful of them. Yeah. To kind of have the two versions. Yeah, and it makes sense because they're just like, we don't want to be too insensitive, but it is hugely part of our story, so we have to have some of it. And... Um, when Kai is trying to convince Matter to do this, um, he actually says, we're a Christian country, everyone loves a good resurrection. And I really liked that line. Yeah, he was like, if I, if I, if an assassination attempt is aimed at me, and I come back from it, everyone's gonna love me even more. And yeah. he is not wrong. I feel like he gets a lot of the good lines every <laughs> season. Like some of my favorites are definitely his lines. For but sure. It's just such a, it's an accurate line. Yeah. As sad as that is. So I'm going to kind of go back a bit to cover a little bit of Kai because at this point, Allie takes a bit of a break because she goes into the mental hospital. Kai's storyline is pretty straightforward. I'm going to jump ahead of how it happens, but he is recruited by... B.B. Babette, uh, who wants him to kind of get into a position of political power in order to infuriate every woman around him, because that's something that the president has already started doing, and she wants the female rage to take over, so she thinks that if a few key places have very strong, bullheaded, misogynistic men taking positions of power, the women will rise up and revolt. So, season begins with him kind of getting the idea of running for political office, and he wants to infuriate everybody that Trump has already infuriated, so to try to make people mad, but also to make people scared. So, in the first episode, he antagonizes he antagonizes a group of migrant labor workers to attack him and get it on video so it looks like he's just attacked by these immigrants so he uses this um as well as the suddenly open position in the city council to push for 
keeping his town safe from all these things that are happening, even though he's the one that's behind them all. He's definitely really big on power. And I feel like early on, I got vibes of somebody from history that um, actually gets touched on later in this season. So I was pretty happy about that, even though it's tiresome because everyone does it. Um, But you get lots of Charles Manson vibes from Kai Anderson. And they do like a, uh, what would you call that? Not a flashback, like a reenactment of... Yeah, they do a reenactment with the, the actors um, from the show playing and it's, the same It's definitely pretty cool, because some of these are, like, some of the people are my favorite actors and actresses. So, like, to see them play, like, such different characters in that sense was kind of cool, too. Because then they're characters of characters, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, essentially... It's kind of like what they did in Roanoke, where they had yeah. actors portraying <laughs> much less other characters. Yeah. A lot, a lot cooler and much less. Confusing. This was just Kai telling a story, and rather than just watching him tell a story, they showed it to us with him being the main character, and then some of the other actors playing some of the other people in that story. And because this season's called Cole, I mean, I expected there to be a Charles Manson situation somewhere. Yeah, but I thought, you know. Just watching the season as it aired, I was like, oh, this character is definitely, like, based kind of on Charles Manson type of person, like, personality. But I was pretty excited to see that they actually touched on that, too, later on in the episodes. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did a pretty cool job, like, because it is tiresome. Every freaking body does something with the Manson family nowadays. Yeah. And Especially because this was filmed right before his death, I guess. Yeah. Right um, before. So. Because I think he died in 2017 or maybe it was 2018. Yeah, it he was died pretty in, quick, pretty yeah. closely after. Um, But I don't know. I mean, it's definitely, if you didn't hear about it before, somehow. <laughs> um, I was telling Jared earlier, I read Helter Skelter when I was 10. Oh my God. So I knew about it pretty early on. But I was fascinated with weird stuff. I still am. So the library must have loved me. I was there every week getting books on weird shit. But I don't know. It's something that's always fascinated me as fucked up as it is. But they touch on Jim Jones. Like, they definitely touch yeah. on a lot of different cult leaders and stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of an, a fresh spin for the show in storytelling. It was very interesting. And I know a lot of people thought that, like, it was just going to be the Charles Manson story. So, like you said, for them to actually still have a little bit of it, but it not be the entire thing was yeah. very fun to watch. Yeah. But... Him playing some of the other cult leaders was so weird. Yeah. And then he played Jesus. And he also played Andy Warhol, which he did strikingly look so much like him. But my little issue here that I have to bring up, because we talked about it for Hotel, where Dennis O'Hara got backlash for playing Liz Taylor. He was a transgender character, and he is not transgender. He is just a gay man. Uh, which is fine. He's not just a, but you know what I mean. Wording so not crazy. there's anything wrong with that. Yes, exactly. I the feel Seinfeld like Seinfeld thing. Yeah, I just feel like wording. I always sound like I'm being mean, and I'm not trying to be. I just I'm an idiot when I talk. It's fine. But anyway, people were like, "Oh my goodness!" Like Evan Peters made Andy Warhol hot, and like nobody actually like said anything. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know Evan Peters' like sexuality. It doesn't really matter because I don't. I don't know. The I think. Dennis O'Hare did a great job as Liz Taylor. I think Evan Peters did a good job as Andy Warhol. Yeah. But it was upsetting to me that people would be so nitpicky about it. You know what I mean? Like, because everyone's so obsessed with Evan Peters, they're like, oh, whatever he does is amazing. 
But Dennis O'Hare is an older actor, so a lot of these younger people are just like, oh, he's doing it wrong. So it was just very, like, hypocritical Yeah, it's like, me. oh, he doesn't have the right to do that. But then... Um, yeah. Like, I didn't see anything wrong with either, but I just had to bring that up, because that was bothersome. Like, and I mean, you're not going to please everyone. There's always going to be someone in a bitch. I get that. But it's just like, come on, people. Why do you have to be, like, so nitpicky about stuff? Yeah. Because they can be. But yeah, it was really cool, like, that they got to play so many different people this season. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, I mean, Evan Peters played a lot of dark characters this season, and I feel like Andy Warhol is definitely a little dark, too, but, I mean, he gets shot, so it's definitely fucked up, but I feel like that could have almost been a breather for him, because everyone else he played was, like, pretty much a murderer. Yeah, that was the only, like, aside from his quick jaunt as Jesus, everybody else was some sort of cult leader or mass murderer of some stripe or another oh speaking of jesus um for the nine circles nine circles of hell nine circles of hell um this one is heresy so that's super fitting because religion comes up quite a lot too absolutely oh my gosh like the judgment house episode holy fuck yeah i don't even know what episode that is it's like what eight nine um maybe i forget at all but that's an intense episode i like how the story plays out because fuck that guy. Yeah, I I just want to leave that at that because that whole thing. Like, you have to watch that. If you're not going to watch the whole season, just watch whatever episode that is. Yeah, because episode eight. Woof. Cause it, and that almost gave me, like, there was, like, a, a vibe of Saul a little bit. And there was, like, so many different movies that I felt like I Saul got. and, like, House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. For sure. So. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something I can touch on real quick. Is just that, you know, that... That episode, I won't go into much detail about what happens in that episode because it's so crazy you have to watch it. But it's a time where uh, Tate, not Tate, that's his season one character, Kai uh, kind of saves, like puts his life on the line and saves Winter from a very dangerous situation. And Which even, is why she's so... Yeah. Even though they're completely eager to please him. Yeah, they're completely opposites on political views. She's so loyal to him because of how She thinks he saved her life. Yeah, so. I mean I guess he did, but But one thing I wanted to touch on was uh when the episode where they show how Harrison and Kai met was is one of my favorite episodes of this oh, yeah. entire series. Definitely. Um he uh, Harrison is working at a gym as a personal trainer and Kai goes in and just starts working with him and Kai sees how like beaten down Harrison is um like there's a a steam room where guys will jerk off and everyone makes Harrison go clean it up after they're done and Kai's like why do you do that like it's not really much choice I don't really I'm I'm not as like popular as a trainer as everyone else so i'm just kind of stuck doing the shit work and after the second time kai convinces harrison or not the second time eventually kai convinces harrison to kill his boss and them going through the process of killing him harrison freaking out about it and then them covering it up is just so wonderful yeah it's so satisfying and the fact that uh, Meadow only started joining the group as well because she accidentally walked in on them trying to That's dismember such a the good body. Moment. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, and I really liked it because 
if you're familiar with Billy Eichner, he's usually more into the humor. Yeah. And a lot of his roles, though maybe serious, are pretty based on humor and being sarcastic or funny or just like, I don't know. So I feel like this was such a dark role for him and he did such a crazy brilliant job. Oh, it was so good. He really brought that character to life. So then we get a little bit more into the background of like how Kai joined up with BB and stuff like that. Then uh, at that point, uh, his cult starts to grow when he gets his like neo-Nazi army. And it's just a bunch of guys who. Douche bros. They all look the same. They're all a bunch of just angry white men who are ready to do anything for this guy. Because there's, I mean, there's people like that out there for Trump, I'm sure. So it's basically the same thing. So then this is where their story kind of rejoins. Allie gets out of the mental institution and kind of confronts Kai, invites him over, starts finding out why he was doing what he was doing. And Kai just tells her, like, your wife had us do it because she was really mad at you and wanted you out of your son's life. So Allie joins the cult and like Ivy's freaking out like, oh God, what have I done? Allie takes out Ivy with arsenic in the wine and the spaghetti, which is something that Kai had been freaking out about because the couple times that Allie invited Kai over, she made him dinner, but he was always like, I think you're going to poison me, but I'm going to trust you that you're not, but I think you might. Turns out she would do that, just not to him. Yeah. Allie doctors some paperwork to make it like Kai was actually Oz's sperm donor. So that way it'll keep Oz safe and kind of keep herself safe. It's like, oh, you like this is our child. You have to protect us at all costs. And I'm with you till the end because you're the father of my child. And he buys it. Then he starts going into the backstories of uh, all the other cult leaders. Then there's the episode where Kai is starting to freak out. Like, he's actually losing his mind. Like, I don't know exactly what he's suffering from, but he's hearing buzzing. He's, like, seeing things. I mean, he pill pops throughout the whole season. Yeah. So I'm sure that's maybe a side effect, just paranoia. Yeah, so he thinks that the the house is bugged, which... It is, but not in the way that he thought. Allie pretends to find a a bug, but it's actually just Winter's Fitbit battery. And she blames Winter for bugging the house. But Winter's like, it wasn't me. I don't know why you think that I would do anything like that. So Kai kills her. Like, just sobbing the entire time. Come to find out that one of the militiamen was actually kind of stuck in the cult because he had to wear a wire to avoid a prison sentence from the state police and he got in over his head he was just investigating like one of the other members and then they found out about kai and they wanted more information on that so he was stuck with them ali ends up finding that out killing him and then letting kai know to further show how loyal she is and then, at that point, episode 10 ends. 
And then we cut to a year later for the finale. And Kai is in prison. Man, so you skipped all the stuff where... Oh, what did I miss? When Kai wants to impregnate his sister Uh, to have the Messiah baby. Yeah, I kind of did. Because, I mean, we don't even need... We could just mention it, and then people are going to be like, oh, okay. Yes. So you can either decide if you want to continue to watch or just watch. He wants to... uh, There is a middleman, literally. Yeah, but at first you don't know that. It's true. It's. And then he thinks that... If he fucks this guy while the guy's fucking his sister, it will still be his baby. Great yeah. writing. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why I wanted to not focus on that at all. Those were some of the most uncomfortable scenes. And then you're like, you said you're in episode 10, right? Well, I was about to go into episode 11. Damn. Okay. No. Yeah, go for it. What you got? Well... Because episode nine's a lot of the flashbacks to the... I mean, we did touch on that earlier. But, like, the David Koresh thing. And then there's... Oh, the Apple White guy. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, you can definitely uh, touch on more of the other cult backstories. So, I mean, I just really liked this episode because it's definitely an interesting take on the history. And, like, I said this earlier, but um, real quick, the... I don't think I'm familiar with the Marshall Applewhite guy who was, what, in the 60s, I think. Um, He led a cult where people ended up committing suicide so they could leave their bodies and head to a comet, Hale-Bopp, right? Hale-Bopp? Hale-Bopp. And he was quoted saying that sex, gourmet cheese, dogs, and the Beatles are all distractions in this life. And that made me laugh because I feel like those are my, like, favorite things. So yeah. I was like, well, I wouldn't do well in that. <laughs> Not that I would join a cult, but it was just really funny. Um, it's like, I can't give up those four favorite things. And it was, it was really cool to see him play so many different characters. Because he really, truly is a character actor. Like, yeah. he gets into every single role, whether it's small or not. Like, these were just for one episode. And he really, like... He looked like Jim Jones. He looked like Andy Warhol in that episode. He kind of looked like Charles Manson. Like, you know, the the David Crush thing. Like, it was all really well done, I thought. Yeah, he's very willing to go under the makeup chair. I was going to say, the makeup makeup people should have won something for this season. Because they did a damn good job. They were nominated, but they did not win. Yeah. Well, at least they were nominated. That's good. But I I think they're always up for the creative Emmys. And it was, it's just funny because then, like, he's telling the stories of all these cult people. And as he's, like, doing the voiceover, he's also playing the people that he's talking about. Yep. And then, like Jared said earlier, the other people from the season are playing other characters in that. But then it pans to Kai still telling the stories. And his waspy-ass neo-Nazi dudes are all saying, like, oh, what great men. And, like, they're like, oh, pep talks. Thanks, Kai. Like, it just... Yeah, they get excited for story time and they... They're in a bunch of sleeping blankets. And like, to me, it is funny. But at the same time, it's just like, man, like, I feel like this is actually happening somewhere. (laughs) So it's like, it's creepy, but it's a little funny, too. Yeah. And then there's like, he makes people in his cult drink Kool-Aid. Like, he's like, oh, you're going to go to the next life with me, blah, blah, blah. And he like makes people do it and puts them at gunpoint. And then like, I don't know. You have to watch that one, too. I'm not going to give all the things away. There's just a lot of crazy Yep. And episode episode nine is when Allie wears that fucking sweater with all the holes in it. Yeah. Which 
if she is just trying to make a point, because at this point she's like, no longer scared. She's like, I'm badass. I can do whatever. I got you. Like, you know, she's trying to get Kai back and I get that. So maybe she's just like, oh, fuck you, Ivy. Fuck you, Kai. I'm not scared of nothing no more. You know, because she she hands, I don't know if it's the same episode, but she hands, or no, that's later when she hands Oz the clown doll that he's going to stab himself with when he's sleeping. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really stab himself. You never know, actually. But um, yes. she's wearing this fucking holy ass sweater. And I just feel like yeah, looks if like you're scared of holes, why would you wear such a sweater? And then so I get we were rewatching it and I was getting mad. And Jerry was like, well, maybe she just got it, you know. And I, I was like, oh, it's a proof of point. And then she's I was like, fucked. when the fuck did she have time to go shopping when she's like trying to get back at a cult while they're like terrorizing her like you know what i mean that's just crazy though there is always time for them all i guess so she's probably scared of them all too though like uh, i'm not even trying to make fun of her but like i don't know <laughs> that's true i shouldn't make fun of her because i have phobias too everyone does but yeah. yeah so um like i said uh the next episode the final episode cuts to kai in prison and then you're like how'd that happen so then so when Allie was in the mental institution, she was approached by the FBI. So when she found out that Speedwagon was an informant, she was just like, oh, you're only with the state police. Then you reveal it's because she's with the FBI. This is a much bigger thing than what he's in. So she uh, lets the FBI know when they're planning on their big hundred women or the, hun- the night of a hundred Tates. Which in this case is Sharon Tate, not Tate from season one played by Evan Peters. Which kind of made me laugh. Um, so the FBI rolls in, takes out all the members, except Kai is blocked by a bunch of his people, so he survives and then he's taken to prison. So you just follow his attempt at escape, and then Allie's attempt at kind of reforming her life, and then running for the same senate seat that kai was going to run for and then the end of the the end of the season is him confronting her at a televised uh speech or a televised debate don't tell the whole thing make them watch and something happens No, don't give it away. Okay, I won't I won't say exactly how you can't put out there if someone else does that's on them but I just feel like it's so good and it's so yes. gratifying for the character that it's just like, don't take that away from everyone. Let right. the viewer enjoy it. So. So while yep. you were just talking, I looked up to, just because out of curiosity, like I wouldn't know because there's always people online who are like, oh, there's this connection. And like some people find connections that maybe aren't there and some people find connections that are super subtle. So I was like, let me just see like. If there was connections we missed to other seasons. Yeah. Um, so obvious, the obvious is twisty. Yep. Um, There's the mention of Allie denying Lana Winters, an, er, Allie denying Lana Winters an interview. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Lana Winters and Winter Anderson. You know? Anyway, um, so this says the pigs in their, like, butchery um, could be you know, referring to, like, a callback to Piggy Man or whatever. But, I mean, yeah. they do use a lot of pigs in the season. So, I mean, it's possible. But who knows? Um, And then it's saying that 
the butchery on Maine is just like a nice little subtle callback to the butcher. So I actually thought that was pretty funny because I said that earlier. Yeah, you kind of caught um, up on that one. And then Ivy's outfit and I guess a couple episodes looks like like somebody actually took stills from Asylum. And they say her outfit's very similar to Bloody Face's outfits in season two. And it, I mean, in these pictures I'm looking at, it is pretty close. Okay. So that's kind of fun. Like, it might be just a subtle thing. It might not even be on purpose. But I yeah. think that is pretty cool. Um, and then what I thought was interesting was how Allie's fears represent each of the earlier seasons, someone says. Okay. Um, I won't go too much into it, but I just thought it was kind of an interesting take on it, too. So, but these, that's really the only things that came up. Okay. That's kind of neat. Um, so I just wanted to share that too. Yeah. Um, so a, a pretty obvious nomination was Sarah Paulson for lead actress. Um, but Adina Porter for her role as Beverly Hope. She I got, love Beverly. Uh, I love Adina. She's uh, so good. Um, yeah, she did so well this season. She, and like what I was saying about Sarah Paulson this season too, like Adina just as much, like she really knows how to feel the feelings and show them and act them and bring it to life. Like, she did a great job this season. I feel like the only thing I really didn't like about this season was the Valerie Solana stuff. It's so fucking boring to me. I'm sorry if whoever's listening likes her or is into that, but, like, I found it boring. I'm also not a fan of Lena Dunham as much as she looked like the lady I'm not a fan of her. So that didn't really do it for me. I, like I said earlier, Frances Conroy could have played a different character because that didn't do it for me. And then there's somehow like a tie-in with Allie and Valerie Solanas, possibly. Who's to say? Because she wears this like same outfit that's like big on that. So it's all just, that was really, like, I don't feel like they needed to even add it. But I guess, and they were trying to show a different type of cult maybe. Yeah, they were just showing the other side of like, kai's cult which is the you know extreme feminism cult i know but it was just i don't know it just felt like a little random almost and i don't know like i feel like it's lacking and that was like the down downfall of season not the downfall no that was like probably a negative for me this season but overall i really did enjoy this season um and a lot more than most people but i like like true horror stuff you know, yeah. not that I like horrible things happening to people, but it just fascinates me. Um, especially like serial killers have always fascinated me. The whole cult mi- mentality, yes, <laughs> the whole cult mentality has fascinated me. So this was definitely an interesting season. Yeah. And I think we've already gone over a lot of our favorites and stuff. And, and you just went over some of your least favorite stuff with like the Lena Dunham storyline. So. I think everyone else did an amazing job. Frances Conroy still did an amazing job, but just not, I just think that storyline yeah. for me is what like took me out of the full season for a little bit. But then, and I, I mean, I, I liked the ending. The, the very ending is where I'm just like, come on, really? Yeah. But yeah, I really liked, I liked the characters. It was definitely an interesting story. Yeah, and just the idea I keep that, saying interesting, but I mean, it is. Yeah, but I just, I love that he was able to do an American horror story with, like I mentioned, no mystical or supernatural abilities or 
effects or anybody having any kind of powers or yeah. there were no ghosts there was nobody in purgatory it was just a straight like political cult because they were living hell in real life so yeah. they didn't need purgatory like because for the first few <sighs> like episodes you're like is she seeing these things are they real what's happening and then it's like oh they're able to do all these things because everyone is in on it and that's terrifying Hell yeah. Possibly more terrifying than ghosts. I feel like another, like, obviously not the Nine Circle of Hell thing, but I feel like a, a really big underlying theme of this season's paranoia. Yeah, yeah. Like, very Playing much people's so. paranoia is oh, yeah. huge in this. Yep. Alright. Any other notes that you have that I missed? No, I think we hit everything. Right. And my voice keeps getting... It keeps leaving. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it keeps going bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will wrap it up then. Make sure you get us your rankings. Uh, we already have about half a dozen, I think, from listeners and people that we've just asked. Uh, so make sure you give us your ranking so we can tally everybody up and see what seasons you like the most and which ones you like the least. I know for us, it definitely has changed upon rewatch for a couple of the seasons. This is going to be such a hard list for me. Yeah. I'm having trouble. Like, I have a good idea of a couple spots, but yeah. Four of the people that sent me their list were like, wow, this was actually a lot harder than I expected. Good. And I'm waiting on someone's list that was just like, I thought this was going to be easy. I need more time. And I was like, no problem. So do I. Yep. So uh, if you're listening to this when it's released on the 6th, 6th? Yes, the 6th. Or the weekend. Gosh, it's December. It is. Woof. Um, I'd say try to get it to us before you listen to the next episode. Or at least by the time you listen Apocalypse! to the next Apocalypse! Apocalypse! Woo! Yep. Um, I'd like to get all the rankings in like a week or so before we need to record the final episode. So hopefully everyone can accommodate me. But if not... I'll do my best to get everyone's rankings. If you can get them to me, whenever. But preferably by like the 14th, 15th, that weekend. Be sure to, uh, if you found this through the Apple Music, iTunes, whatever they want to call it, store, uh, leave us a, a rating on there. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, follow us on the Twitch. We do a whole bunch of different entertainment things. If you happen to be listening to this when it gets released and you are in the city of Philadelphia and you like board games, uh, me, Max, and Dan, and possibly Paul on Sunday, will be at PAX Unplugged. So come and find, come and find us there and say hi. That'd be cool. That'd be weird. If somebody said hi, your podcast told me to say hi to you. <laughs> um... Other than that, uh, thank you for listening. I hope everyone has a great whatever time of day that you're listening to this. And thank you for being here.